The Zamzo's Garden Show is sponsored by Zamzo's. The views, opinions, and advice offered by the show's hosts do not necessarily reflect those of KBOI or its parent company, Cumulus Media. KBOI makes no representations as to the accuracy of the information expressed and shall not be responsible or liable for any claims arising out of the use of or reliance upon any such information. What kind of seeds are you sowing? Why is it so green where you're from? It must be Zamzo's growing in your yard, garden, or barn. You've done it right, you see it. Got the help that you need it. Zamzo's really makes you want to come home. I'm coming home. Cause nobody knows. Like Zamzo's. It's the Nobody Knows Like Zamzo's Garden Show on News Talk KBOI. To be a part of the show, call now, 1-800-529-KBOI or 336-3700. It's the Nobody Knows Like Zamzo's Garden Show on the Big 670 KBOI. How's it going, everybody? This is the Zamzo's Garden Show, and I'm your host, Nolan Guthrie. Today we're doing a pre-recorded show, and I'm really excited to... Uh, have Gary Yandel from our Middleton location in studio with me today, and we're going to talk about some uh, fruit tree stuff. Gary, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. We've been wanting to do this, or I've been wanting to do this for a while. We had you on last, uh, it was kind of almost summer by the time I had you on the radio show last year, and uh, you gave us a really great, uh, you know, just tons of information about fruit trees and uh, grapes and berries and all sorts of things and uh, it was a great show and I wanted to put something together that was a pre-recorded thing that people could come back and listen to over and over again because you've got a lot of great knowledge about taking care of all these things and so to get things kicked off I just wanted to kind of let people know like why are you you're kind of the expert fruit tree guy in the in in zamzos and you probably don't like to be called that but but you are you're the one we turn to when we have these questions so what is it that makes you uh kind of the the expert in this uh category i have some acquired knowledge yes (laughs) i've been uh i've grown fruit trees i'm gonna say for about 25 years now i've grown just about every fruit tree that you can grow in this valley yeah, and I think you've got uh, you 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 call it a small orchard, but I think you've got uh, how many trees do you have? I I've got twelve fruit trees. Twelve fruit trees, yeah, different I, varieties. Yeah, so it's certainly small on a, on a if we look at a, a large production, but for uh, you know just a backyard uh, garden, I think that's a, a lot of work. I just planted uh, four fruit trees last summer. Uh, and, uh, it's been, uh, since I've been in the house about eight years, so I haven't had any fruit trees there. I had some at the house before, so I'm kind of getting back into it and really looking forward to just, you know, your, your knowledge and the things that you, uh, just know a lot about. So I wanted to start off with, um, what is, uh, like somebody is just new, wants to get some fruit trees, uh, put them in the backyard and get started. Uh, what's, what's the, what is your advice for, for getting started planting a new fruit tree and, and making sure that it's healthy for the first couple of years? First off, plan for space, mm. allow enough space for the fruit tree. Um, you got to figure they're going to get bigger. Even the, your dwarfs will get bigger. So plant for proper space. You need to be able to walk around this entire tree, do your pruning and do your spraying. Go out and select good, you know, stock. And then when you bring this fruit tree home, 
dig out a hole that's three foot in diameter, let's say, and two feet deep. You can, so you got a lot of loose soil in there. Augment that soil with some, some sort of compost or something like that. And, of course, at Samsung's, we're going to recommend you use our Thrive product. And we got a new product called a, a Planting Bolus, which helps with Micronizae. These products will do a lot, go a long way to help ensuring that your plant, your fruit tree, survives tr- transplant shock. Yeah, and I uh, actually I'm, I feel really good now because I pretty much did everything that you <laughs> you talked about yeah. there. Used uh, some of the compost that we have. I did use the boluses when I planted them. Now we have the they're going to be in that pellet, pill, which yeah. I think will be a little bit easier to apply. I actually took them and, and broke them the boluses and spread the stuff out, but they all did really well during the winter. It come back. Some of them haven't bloomed quite yet, but the the cherry and the pear tree are already blooming and looking really nice. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm really excited about that. And one of the things I've always done uh, or and recommended is that, like, the first at least couple of years, you typically don't want to let the tree produce a lot of fruit, or if any. Is that something that uh, you generally recommend for people? Yes, definitely. Um, your first few years of your fruit tree, you're trying to establish what's going what's going to become the load-bearing limbs on the tree. Mm. Now, you can either have a tree produce fruit at this very young age, with the potential now of breaking off your limbs uh, because you got too much fruit on right. there, or you can let the tree produce limbs and beef up those limbs so you got good weight-bearing limbs when this tree matures. The tree can only do one thing. It can produce fruit at the expense of limbs, or you can produce limbs at the expense of fruit. So we recommend you knock all that fruit off. I know it's hard to do. Yeah, right. Because you want that fruit, but yeah, let it go for the first yeah, couple it's, of years. It's, a, it's always a tough one to ever tell somebody, like, you know, this is what I have it for, and that <laughs> those first few years are really critical. But I hadn't, I'd really like that uh, you, you mentioned them being able to produce a, a sizable limb that can support that fruit. And I'd actually always thought of it was more of a root development issue, but, but this actually makes more sense. You, you know, you want to have, you do these things right, you're going to have a lot of fruit, and that tree needs, tree needs to support that fruit. That's right. And uh, throughout, you know, for a number of months. So if that limb is too too puny, uh, yeah, it's going to bend down, if not break all the way off. And that then you don't have anything. <laughs> exactly, yeah. If you let this tree produce fruit too immature, you're going to break off that limb. Now you're starting over again. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, some other things uh, I often think about whenever we're planting a new tree. Do you usually stake up your trees? Do you ever use any stakes or anything to support them? That first year, yes, because you don't really have a root system that's going to support this tree, say, in high wind situation mm-hmm. or let's say the yard got flooded and high winds come along. You know, you got a good chance of that tree being pushed over the, by the wind. So in the first year, yeah, give it some support. Okay. And then what about um, first year pruning? Anything there you really want to look at or do you recommend? Very, very light pruning that first year. Um, here again, picture the tree as it will mature establish what limbs you're going to hang on to that are going to become the fruit tree's main support limbs. Mm-hmm. Usually you're trying to you're trying to select five to six limbs that are going to bear the load of this tree throughout its entire life. So you want to have a limbs that 
span out from the tree, from the central point of the tree, in all directions. Yeah, very good. That's uh, lots of great information. And then we recommended uh, uh, some Thrive. Do you usually use Thrive more than once in that first year, or do you just kind of go with the once and then let it go? Use Thrive at the time of planting. And, of course, I'll repeat uh, using Thrive uh, mid-summer and just before the tree loses its leaves in the fall. Okay, good. And then what about, uh, just before we go to the first break, uh, what's, uh, what's kind of a good watering schedule for somebody in that first that first season, that first year you just got it in? Uh, it's one, one of the things that comes up quite a bit. How do I water this guy? First season watering is going to be different than any other season. You will have to water more often, but I want you to water deeply. Yeah. Okay. We want those roots to go down and, and spread out deeply. So you may, at first, you're going to water, you know, uh, when you right after planting the tree, it might be every day, but don't do this for any more than about three to four days. Yeah. After that, you're going to back off to once a week and even... You know, into the summer, it might still need to be once a week, but every time you water, water deeply. Yeah, I think that's really the best advice uh, for really most trees. Uh, but you know, fruit trees, we always want to make sure that we're doing it right because we're we're getting more out of these guys than just just shade, which yes. is always important. So, um, I think that is going to go ahead and do it for this first segment. So we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back here on the Zamzos Garden Show on KBOI. The Zamzo's Garden Show will be back right here on News Talk KBOI. Hi, this is Josh Samzo, and if you have propane tanks, the time to refill them or top them off is now through Monday, October 10th at Zamzo's. That's because for five days only this Thursday through Monday, Zamzo's is selling propane for the unbelievable price of $2.99 a gallon, thanks to a deal we got from our supplier, Ed Staub and Sons. And refilling an empty tank versus exchanging one is $8 cheaper. But during this sale, you'll save $12 by refilling your tank, and even more if it's completely empty. Oh, and remember, when you refill or top off your tank, you never run out of propane in the middle of grilling your steaks. And at $2.99 a gallon, you really need to fill all your tanks, especially RVs, motorhomes, and barbecues. But don't wait. This is the best deal we've offered on propane in years. And it's for five days only this Thursday through Monday at the close of business. So gather up your tanks and refill them with propane for $2.99 a gallon from Zamzo's. 13 stores to serve you, including Nampa, across from Karcher Mall. Nobody knows like Zamzo's. Nate Shellman, live, weekday afternoons from 3 to 7 on News Talk KBOI. All right, and we are back for part two of the Zamzo's Garden Show. Just want to throw a quick reminder out there to everybody that this is a pre-recorded show, so we are not taking any phone calls, but I will be back next week with a live show. And uh, we today I do have in studio with me is Gary Yandel from our Middleton location, and Gary and I are talking about... Uh, all things fruit trees, as much fruit tree stuff as we can pack into this uh, show, we're talking about it today. So uh, going to move on to uh, a few uh, topics for this segment. Uh, and I wanted to start off with, uh, you know, we've got a, a new person uh, just started with their small little orchard. They got a few trees in the backyard or they just moved into a house that's got fruit trees and they don't know a lot about it. Uh, Gary, what are the, the kind of the essentials, like a, an orchardist toolkit, if you will, the things that everybody's going to want to have s and, and why they might choose those things to have in the, in the shed? Okay. Well, let, let's take, for example, like you say, person 
purchases a home and they got some mature fruit trees out there. So what do they need? Well, you, they're they're going to need a set of pruners. Yeah. Good, good pruners. <laughs> yeah, Don't buy I'm the cheapies. A, I'm kind of a pruner snob when it comes to those things. There I always like to have a really nice set of pruners just about for anything I'm doing. And, and then I hide them when I'm not using them so nobody else can find them. Good idea, <laughs> yeah. You, you buy the cheap ones, you're going to be frustrated. You're going to tear limbs instead yeah. of cutting them. Yeah, there's and, nothing worse than making a cut and it not going all the way through right. cleanly. Yeah. Um, a pruning saw, because you will eventually have to uh, take off some larger limbs. Yeah. But if you're going to own fruit trees, you're going to do pruning. That's right. That's just the way it is. That's part of the taking care of these trees, the maintenance of these trees. Uh, beyond that, you're going to need a tank sprayer, because you're going to have to spray these things. Right. Um, sprays could include fungicides, insecticides, you know, dormant oil spray. You're going to spray. Right. So get yourself a good tank sprayer. And what size do you typically recommend? Do you recommend like going with a bigger one if you have more trees, or do you generally kind of stick with a smaller, like a one-gallon size? As we mentioned before, I have 12 trees. I have backpack tank sprayer mm. that will hold four gallons of spray. Right. And every time I go out, I go through four gallons of spray. If you got one or two trays, you might get away just fine with a good one-gallon tank sprayer. And then let's throw out this thing. If you do get a few fruit trees, make sure you get a new sprayer that's just for these fruit trees. Don't use that sprayer for anything <laughs> other than spraying insecticides. Uh, right. It's one of the like that would yeah. be the the most heartbreaking mistake to make would be to grab your uh, your ultra. A weed killer sprayer and mix up some insecticide and go out there because chances are you're going to get some damage if not kill it especially on a new tree i've had it happen yeah. i've had personally but a customer's come in and says i swore i, I cleaned that thing out but they didn't yeah, yeah. They, killed, no, you, they killed the tree have a new sprayer get a new sprayer get and write on it fruit trees only That's something right. like that so you never forget what that thing is for okay you're going to need an insecticide that's rated for spraying on fruit trees. Mm. Um, you will need some sort of fungicide, too. Um, there's a lot of good ones out there. Uh, this will be for uh, funguses that can attack your trees, uh, apple trees, and so forth. And... Um, uh, so you're you're looking at uh, you know a fungicide. Uh, we want an insecticide. You mentioned a dormant oil spray as well. Uh, in is that something? I mean, do you always want to have a dormant oil available, or is that something you know you can kind of wait on, or you just pick up here and there as you need it? The new oils that are coming out right now uh, can actually be used throughout the entire season. They are an organic source of controlling some of your diseases and insects. So you could have that on hand all the time. You want to be more toward the organic side of this house. Yeah, for sure. And I think what we'll do is we'll talk, we'll talk about some of the specific uh, chemicals here in a little bit, but I want to, uh, you know, talk about a little more about some of these things. So we covered, you want to have a good pruner, you want to have a good saw, a good tank sprayer. You're going to have a few of these chemicals. Like I said, we'll talk about that in mm -hmm. a bit. Uh, but you know, a few other things that come to mind, uh, what about like a bird netting? Is that something that you and 
employ at your at your orchard, or is it kind of like eh, whatever? No, if you want to be the first person to eat your cherries, <laughs> yeah, you better get yourself a good bird net. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So for cherries, maybe some of you like your smaller fruits, probably apricots. Apricots, okay. Run so into that too. Yeah. Have so have you know look to get a, a bird netting for that. And what a bird netting is is basically just a a, a fine is, is a fine mesh right the right way to say it. It's a it's a mesh kind of plastic yeah. uh, netting, and you can just throw it over the top of the tree, and that'll just keep the birds from being able to get in there and get to your fruit before you can. And that's uh, that's always the worst. I've seen that happen so many times where uh, you know. Notice a tree's starting to produce cherries, and then the next day the starlings uh, are just leaving with the last one. Yeah, they'll strip a tree in one day. Yeah, yeah. no, they're really fast. Yeah. Um, so uh, the other one that uh, thing that kind of comes up fairly often is uh, a codling moth trap. Or uh, are there are there more than that for like a trap? And what is a tra- those traps really used for? The codling moth trap will tell you or indicate for you when it's time to spray. I just want to make sure everybody understands. This will not control coddling moth. Yeah, and that's a really interesting... I don't think... Uh, we. I think there's a, that general assumption that the the trap is going to trap all the coddling moths and I won't have to worry it, about that. It's it's not your control method. No. It's your indicator. It's a helper. Right. It's out there on the internet. Yeah, buy the traps. You know, organic solution. No, it won't do it. It only attracts the males. Mm. Oh, okay. It only attracts the males, and so you got all this population of female moths out there mm. laying eggs, and you're still going to have the problem. So gotcha. the trap tells you when it's time to start spraying is what it does. Yeah. Now, in the last time I had you on, you had mentioned uh, the, I think it was the Idaho Extension Office has an alert for that. Is that something they still do? or? Yes, it's called Pacific Northwest Pest Alert. Okay. You can go out to their website and sign up for this, and they'll send you an email. They've got uh, stations all over the entire valley trapping these insects, and when, once they start trapping them, yeah. they send out this notice. Yeah, and that's really helpful. And they'll send it out to everybody that's on the list. Yes, yes. Is what it, okay, yeah. Fan, yeah, so that's a great way to uh, get you know a good broad sense of information is when these things are starting to happen. I think, would it still be advisable to have a trap at your own place, even if you're signed up for something like this? Or would you be able to kind of forego getting your own trap if you had this? Having your own trap will establish your local population. Yeah. Okay, because there is what's called microclimates right your moss might come sooner than the trap mm. you know that's up, you know five miles down the road where they pick up their information yeah that yeah and that makes a lot of sense what's a what's a good date to put a for your first trap out i kind of use the flowering of the apple tree oh, okay. okay you know of course that's no set date i can't right. tell you exactly. april 15th yeah. it's whenever the apple tree starts to blossom okay fantastic so that's lots of good information there about uh just the basic things anything any other item that we maybe didn't cover gary or something that comes to your mind uh, as we're kind of going through this that we didn't cover the last thing we didn't cover is you will need a fertilizer oh yeah fan- yeah right exactly fruit fertilizer. trees are hungry eaters mm-hmm 
my personal choice is Thrive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, the Zamzo's Garden Show, and I can't go a show without talking about Thrive. No. <laughs> but you know, we talked about it when you first plant a tree. But it is something you want to generate, you want to keep doing throughout the life of that tree. It's not like uh, they they eat once and then they're done for the rest of their life. They're producing a lot of a lot of stuff, and right. they need food to make make sure that that stuff continues to. Uh, show up every year. Uh, so that's uh, really good information. Lots of stuff. I think uh, there's a few things I'm going to need to pick up for this year, although my my, new, my trees are only a year old now, so I, I've I got a little bit of time before I, I need to get all of it. But yes. do you really spend a lot of time doing much spraying on those first few years? You know, we mentioned, you know, removing the fruit. Is there, do you still want to think about controlling bugs and keeping that stuff under control that first year? Things like codling moth, western cherry fruit fly aren't going to be a problem for you too much because they're attracted to the fruit. Okay. If you're knocking that fruit off, they're not going to really be a problem. However, your stone fruit trees will still need to be sprayed for boars. For boars. Fantastic. Okay, great. So we're going to take a quick break, and uh, we're going to get into some uh, seasonal things that you need to look at here on the Zamzo's Garden Show on KBOI. The Zamzo's Garden Show will be back right here on News Talk KBOI. Hi, this is Callie Zamzo, inviting you to the special Reach for the Stars Casino Night, Saturday, October 15th from 7.30 to 10.30 at Meridian's Kleiner Park. It's all to help raise money for the Children's Museum of Idaho's Portable Planetarium, hence the name Reach for the Stars. This exciting adults-only evening will feature casino games such as poker, roulette, bingo, raffles, and more. There'll be a live auction with fabulous prizes like a cat-bed hot air balloon ride, two tickets to anywhere Alaska Airlines flies, Disney tickets, a steelhead suite, and much more. Proceeds will help fund a portable planetarium, which is part of Museum on the Move, the outreach program of the Children's Museum of Idaho. So purchase your tickets online by going to cmidaho.org. Then we'll see you Saturday, October 15th from 7.30 to 10.30 for Casino Night at Meridian's Kleiner Park as we reach for the stars benefiting the Children's Museum of Idaho. Nobody knows like Samsos. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KBOI. All right, we are back for part three of the Zamzo's Garden Show. I am your host, Nolan Guthrie, and just so you all know, this is a pre-recorded show. Uh, we're not taking phone calls this week, but I will be back next week with a live show, and uh, uh, just hope that you're enjoying the program so far. I have with me Gary Yandel of our Middleton store, and we're putting together kind of a comprehensive, not fully exhaustive, a uh, fruit tree show for you today. And Gary, I thank you very much for being here and I uh, really appreciate your knowledge on this subject because it's something that I have like a really basic understanding of and you, you bring a, a, a great depth to this and I really appreciate that. Glad to be here. So let's, let's go into some specifics uh, with the with regard to the seasons, kind of you know what we want to think about in in uh, you know I, I think that's kind of a good way to break it up. Might be an easy way for us to kind of go through this. So I want to start with spring, uh, and what we're going to be kind of talking about is this is 
uh, once those, once your trees are established, you know, you, you, your new trees you've planted, you've given it a few years to really grow and mature, or you're coming into a new home and there's already some fruit trees there. Uh, what is, uh, you know, we're, we're, there's, there's some time you've got to take care of these guys. You know, if you just leave them alone, uh, you're not going to be able to get a lot of production. Most of the times you're going to lose a lot to birds. You're going to lose a lot to worms or, you know, just general things happen. And so these guys need a little bit more care. So, um, starting in say early spring, late winter, when do you really kind of start thinking about taking care of your trees or starting to do your, your yearly regiments for these guys Gary? So yeah, the first thing you want to start looking at around February, let's say in this area anyways, you go out and look at your trees. Take a look and see what limbs are crossing each other, what mm. limbs have been diseased or, you know, splitting, you know, something like that. It's just not right. These are the ones you're going to target for pruning. Okay. You know, for that. For that. Now you say target. You don't necessarily mean start pruning then, or do or do you? Should you, you prune it out then, or you, you certainly work? can at that point? Okay. These are limbs that, uh, like I say, they're in a winter kill or the disease. You want to get them out of there. Okay. So go ahead and prune those out. Um, and then, you know, think on a good March day or late February day when it's above 40 degrees, you want to dormant oil spray your trees. Dormant oil is a suffocant. It's going to suffocate any, any eggs or small larvae that might be on your tree at that point. This is going to go a long way to, um, help reduce the insect population, you know, of your trees right, right there. Yeah, so and that's a an important I think distinction is that this isn't um, it's not like you're going to wipe out bugs for the rest of the year. No, the way I always thought about it is it's kind of like giving your trees a good head start on the season. Is that kind of the right way to think about that it? That is or? correct. Okay, yeah, it's going to take care of such insects as aphids and scale and these other kind of damaging insects. It's going to really set those populations back. Right. So your trees get a good start. Now, that is not going to take care of codling moth, a worm that gets in your apples and pears. It is not going to take care of western cherry fruit fly. Okay. These guys are ha are hiding in the soil around your trees, and your dormant oil spraying is not going to take care of those. Gotcha. Okay, so we're going to start with a, a dormant oil around uh, kind of late February, early part of March. Yep. Uh, and then, then what? what's the next step? What are the next things we're starting to look at? Then you're waiting around to see... You know, you're watching your fruit trees, seeing when the buds are getting fatter, getting ready to, you know, leaf out, or in the case of some of your trees, um, the buds are starting to open up. Okay. Okay. Your first actual insecticide onto apples and pears usually coincides about the same time that the buds are about to break open. Okay. This is what I recommended before you start setting out your coddling moth traps. And yeah, we're targeting that particular insect at this point. Okay. So that's, uh, as you said, as the leaves are starting to break? As the flowering the buds. The flowering buds yeah. are beginning to break and come out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, technically, the term is called pink or okay. pinking. The buds are starting to break open. You're not open, but you're just about there. It's starting to see a little bit of color to it. Yeah, okay. a little bit of color there. Um, you're going to... Hopefully, you know, if your trap indicates so, you're going to wipe out that first generation or start to wipe out that first generation of coddling moth. 
that's the generation you really want to knock down hard. Gotcha. Okay. So that so that first, like you mentioned, the first generation, these are the guys that are coming out early. That's an important one. Right. Because what happens is these guys get inside that developing fruit okay. if they're allowed to do so. Once inside, you can't get to them. No insecticide right. is going to get to them at all. You don't even know you got worms in your apples until June when they start actually leaving. Right. The holes in your apples are not the worms going in. That's the ones coming out. They've been in there since early April. Okay, so that's an important time. Is that going to be the same with the fruit flies and the cherries as well? A little bit different timing on those. Um, your cherry, your western cherry fruit fly doesn't even come out until much later in the season. Okay. Timing in that is usually around, take a, a red cherry like a bing. The fruit process or goes through a process of going green to white to red. Usually by the time it's going from green to white, that's when these flies come mm, out. Okay. There's your timing for an insecticide right there. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so lots of things to really kind of watch. It's, it's kind of, it's really fascinating, really. Like, you know, a lot of people want really hard dates. Like, when should I do it? And that's the kind of the thing with this is like, you can't really give a hard date because the weather changes so much from year yeah. to year. But these indicators are really good. These are things that are always going to be consistent. And really what it just takes is monitoring your trees, monitoring the traps, knowing what's out there and, and having these things in place. And uh, what's really nice for that is, uh, you know, what I would probably do is start to make reminders. So, like, let's say I, I dealt with it on this date. Um, keep set a log. A remind, yeah. yeah, keep a log. So then you can go back and say, this was the time I did it this last year. Uh, set that reminder for a few weeks before that or even, you know, a month before that. So you start looking for it. So yes. you're not up against it. You're already looking for it in in the future, and you'll, you'll know when to do the, those things. So really good stuff. Now, what's uh, – um, we talked about the dormant oil, and we have our all-season spray oil for that. Yes. Um, did we? Did you mention uh, we talked about that early uh, first application of an insecticide? What insecticide do you typically use for that one? Zamzos, we got a couple of different insecticides that you can use. One of them is an organic-based insecticide, and the other one is a chemical-based insecticide. I prefer the organic. Yeah, I think a lot of people anymore are kind of tending towards that organic side of things. And I just want to say, the organic is just as effective. Yeah. it's it, you know A lot of people think, oh, organic, it doesn't work. Well, this one does. <laughs> it's called Last Call. It's Zamzos. It's... Uh, it's uh, same application rate and same timing as a chemical one. The organic spray has one advantage over the uh, chemical one in that you can time your spraying on a fruit tree that is in full flower, full flowering, and you will not harm your honeybees. How can you do that? You spray late evening when the bees are not out. This particular product does not have a residual kill on honeybees. It has a residual kill on the target, our mm. codling moth. Yeah. But it will not kill honeybees after that initial spraying. Your chemical spray will kill honeybees yeah. up to five days later. Yeah, now that's and that's a really important thing to know, especially if you want to be organic. So we're going to go into a quick break, and we'll come back. We'll talk about a few more of these things and finish up uh, here on the Zamzo's Garden Show on KBOI. The Zamzo's Garden Show will be back right here on News Talk KBOI. 
Hi, this is Josh Samzo, and if you have brown spots in your lawn that popped up this summer and need to be replanted, Samzo's has just what you need to fix them fast. The secret is our new Zamzo's Spot Regrow, the all-in-one mulch, grass seed, and soil neutralizer that regrows your grass in just two weeks. And Zamzo's Spot Regrow is easy to use. Just loosen and smooth the soil, then shake on Zamzo's Regrow using one cup per square foot. Water once per day to keep the soil moist till the grass reaches three inches tall and you're done. For larger patches or an entire lawn, Zamzo's has an array of different types of grass seed by the bag or in bulk. And we have a variety of ways to cover and protect your seed. Remember, right now's the best time to plant a new lawn. The soil is warm, but the nights and evenings are cool. So if you're tired of seeing brown spots in your lawn, Zamzo's has what you need to turn them green. So come see us. 13 stores to serve you, including Tuna, across from the park. Nobody knows like Zamzo's. The Ben Shapiro Show. Weekdays from 1 to 3 on News Talk KBOI. And we are back for part four of the Zamzo's Garden Show. I am your host, Nolan Guthrie, and uh, I'm really excited to uh, have been able to spend this time with you. Gary Yandel from our Middleton location has been in studio with me. Uh, this is a pre-recorded show, so we're not taking any calls. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. We've packed this show full of information. We're going to make sure it's available for everyone to come back to and listen to over and over again because... Gary has been uh, very gracious and uh, given us a lot of things to think about and uh, things to look at. Unfortunately, we can't put everything into it. <laughs> I wish we could get more into it, but uh, I think we've covered a lot of stuff. And, uh, Gary, I, I really do appreciate you coming on and being here with us today and taking some time out of your day to do this. Um, so uh, let's see. We finished off talking about kind of early mid spring applications. We mentioned, uh, you know, putting on uh, last call uh, is an organic insecticide that you use. Uh, is that the only one you use in your orchard, or are there other ones that you use? Well, I, I use the last call mainly for control of codling moth and western cherry fruit fly. Okay. Um, occasionally though, I will get aphids and there I'll resort to using the oil spray or even neem oil. Okay. Also both organic, organic solutions. They are highly effective. They work very well. And then what, uh, what are those? I know the oil is going to be a contact. You have to spray it on the bug. Is that's neem right. oil the same? Neem so, oil is the same thing. Okay. Yes. So yeah, cause that's one of the things we always want to be conscious of when we're spraying these things, uh, how they're going to affect bees. And really typically for the most part, we only have to worry about the bees in the early part of spring when they're in bloom. Right. And after that, they're off doing their own thing somewhere else. So they're, yeah, they're no longer in the orchard and that kind of deal. Okay. Yeah. So that's, yeah, good to Distinction to make there. So let's talk about another one that is, uh, this, pardon the bad pun I'm about to make, the blight of uh, <laughs> any pear tree owner uh, or other. There's other fruit trees that can get it, but fire blight is a really fire common blight. problem around here. And uh, tell us a little bit about fire blight and kind of what it is. Fire blight is a weather-driven event. It does not always happen every single year, but you want to plan for it every year. Yeah. The particulars for it is it will come about at 70 degrees, around 70 degrees, and high humidity, hmm. which we seem to get some summers or springs, and sometimes we don't. Preparation for that is there is a spray, a fire blight spray, or liquid copper spray. Either one of these will keep this disease at bay. 
it is one you want to control. It yeah. will kill your tree. Yeah, and if you've ever seen a tree with fire blight, it's it's pretty sad because it's it kind of starts towards the top. Yes, and it they the the branches just start to die down. They usually turn black. It, that's why they call it fire blight because it looks like that the branches have been, been set burnt, on fire. Yeah, yeah, and they start to curl up, and it, it's it's pretty bad news when you do get that. If somebody gets that in their tree, what are the the first steps to getting it out of there? Well, the other, other indication there, too, you mentioned it looks like the burn. The tree also doesn't drop those dead leaves. Mm, it yes. hangs on to those. Yes. So, the, you know, just to give you what to look for. Sure. So when, um, uh, yeah, so when they when they start to see that, I mean, is it a death sentence at that point? Are there things they can do to kind of get the tree back? Or The only thing is what I call tree surgery. <laughs> okay. So grab yourself your pruners and grab a bucket. Put a quarter cup of bleach in that bucket and a gallon of water. Yeah. You're doing surgery, literally. You have to have sterile cutting tools with every single cut. Yeah. So you're going to make a cut, you're going to dip your pruners. Make a cut, dip your pruners. And you're cut. So you look at the limb, you find the last dead or dying leaf, and you move 8 to 12 inches down the limb from that, right. that's where you make your cut. Yeah, you want to give it plenty of room. Yeah, you might not see the disease, but the disease travels through the cambium layer, Yeah, and it does progress you know, down the limb faster than you see the, you know, you know the, dead the, material. The symptom, yeah. yeah. So you got to get in front of it. If right. you don't, you're simply cutting into the disease and could potentially spread it even more throughout so, the tree. So the indicators for this you mentioned was a 70-degree temperature, typically, with hu high humidity. Yes. So those are the things you want to look for, and at those times, you want to start spraying. You need to be spraying your copper spray or, like I say, the fire blight spray. Okay, and preferably it's not raining at the time. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. So, okay, so fire blight, always one that's very tricky. You want to really keep an eye out for it. So kind of moving on, you know, more into the season, uh, borers are one that I know is really common on, like, peach trees, nectarines. Uh, what, what, what do you typically do for borers in the trees? The borer that we're targeting here is a moth borer. And mm -hmm. I want to make this differentiation because a lot of people think they can come in and buy a tree and shrub product, Put, put this around the ground, and that'll take care of the bores. And in this case, it does not work. Right, and that would be like a systemic right. application that we use for a lot yeah. of other things. Don't go there. It won't work. Right. This is a spray program. You okay. have to spray your tree. Typically, these bores don't come out until the first part of May. Yeah. And you're spraying the trunk of the tree. That's all you got to do. Oh, just, just the trunk right there. Trunk of the tree okay. from about eight feet down. So any bigger limbs that are down there, too, spray them down. Okay, fantastic. Now, um, so uh, what about watering? Watering is something that, you know, I, 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 I tend to get a lot of questions. People are always concerned about, am I doing too much? Am I not doing enough? Uh, what do you typically do for watering in, like, the summer, or the hottest part of the year? Okay, my trees are established, so let's talk about established trees. Okay. I water very deeply. I lay the right. hose out there, let's say, and it soaks the ground for a good hour. Okay. I do this about every three weeks. Oh, okay. So yeah, not that much. I no. mean, yeah, it's one of the it's you're you're that's a long time to water at right. once, but you're not doing it that frequently. Don't have to. Um, 
consider that your roots of your uh, fruit trees are going down from one to two feet deep. Yeah, the ground on top may be dry, but you could take a shovel and actually test your soil. Okay. And you can find that there's still moisture down there. Okay, good. So, um, so we're looking at uh, uh, a deep, infrequent watering throughout the summer months, and then we're gonna find a kind of finish up. Like I said, this is not fully extensive. There's probably lots of stuff we could talk through, but uh, we have a kind of a limited amount of time. So let's kind of move into uh, as we get through summer. We've done our harvesting. Uh, what's uh, how do we how, how do we finish up for the year? What's what are kind of the things we want to think about? Uh, at the end of the year to finish everything off leave no fruit behind <laughs> pick okay. it all okay these are nurseries for insects right when even the, on the ground even on the ground yeah pick it all up get in the garbage can get it off your property okay um when the leaves fall off the trees rake them up right compost of them if you want to that's fine but don't leave them around the base of the tree do you compost the fruit as well if you got a case where you missed the insecticide sprayings and you got bugs in your fruit, get the fruit off your property. Don't even bother composting. They will survive. You'll have okay. bigger problems next year. Right. Fantastic. Okay. So, um, and then uh, I think we're we're just about out of time there. So, uh, Gary, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Uh, we'll try to get uh, another uh, show in. We'll talk about some other things as well. But uh, really appreciate your time. And uh, that is going to be it for this week. Remember, uh, I will be uh, should be back live next week. And I thank you all for tuning in here to the Zamzo's Garden Show on KBOI. Hi, this is Josh Samzo, and even though fall has officially arrived, our days are still warm, but our nights and mornings are cool, making this the ideal weather to apply Zamzo's lawn food, which is step four in the Zamzo's lawn program. But you don't need to be on our program to apply Zamzo's lawn food. You can buy it one bag at a time and apply it any time, which this time of year is important for your lawn's good health. That's because your lawn is recovering from the record hot summer we just had, where we suffered through 27 days of the temperature being over 100 degrees. That was hard on us and really hard on our lawns. But Zamzo's Lawn Food was formulated by my dad, Jim Zamzo, to replace the vital trace minerals your lawn used up just trying to survive. Plus, this early fall application gives your lawn a much-needed feeding. So if you haven't already done so, feed your lawn now with Zamzo's Lawn Food, available exclusively at Zamzo's. 13 stores to serve you, including Federal Way and Geckler in Southeast Boise. Nobody.